0: There is just an inherent part of me that's about the beauty of all humans and the mm-hmm. gifts of all humans. And I think that that's just who I was and this career or this tract just helped mm-hmm. me uh, land it somewhere.
1: Welcome to Hey Awesome Girl with Tiddy Jones. Every week, we interview amazing boss babes in tech, medicine, law, entrepreneurship, entertainment, parenting, and more about their lives, their goals, their why, in order to discover how every day they're working to add more pleasure, ease, and abundance in their orbit. This show is part business advice, part life coaching, part real talk with girlfriends. If you're looking for a show that's real and relatable, but also inspiring at the same time, this is the one for you. I'm your host, Tibby Jones. I'm founder and CEO of the creative agency, Hey Awesome Girl. I'm dog mom to Miss Olivia, the cutest little dog on the planet. And I'm someone who has the same birthday as my maternal grandmother, January 6th. In my business life, I've grown organizations, I've grown audiences, I've managed million-dollar budgets, and I've led large marketing teams, generating seven-figure contracts for my clients. On the show, I talk to other boss babes as we try to figure out how to add more pleasure, ease, and abundance into our lives. Today, you'll meet Beth LeCretz. Who is the founder and president of LaCrette's Creative Services, Beth is a passionate advocate for inclusion and has dedicated her career to inclusive education. After teaching students with mild to severe disabilities in inclusive and self-contained classrooms, she began consulting with schools to support families that wanted their special needs children included in their neighborhood schools. And LaCrette's Creative Support Services was born. In this episode, we talk about all things inclusion. It is a very rich and deep episode, and I know you will enjoy it. Hi Beth, welcome to the show.
0: Hey Tiffy, thanks for having me.
1: No problem. I know we were chatting a little bit before we started recording, um, and I do wanna come back to some of the things we were just talking about. But before we do that, um, can you please introduce yourself for folks watching and listening?
0: Sure. Um, My name is Beth LeCretz and I live in the suburbs of New York City on Long Island in New York. And um, what can I tell you about me? I'm a wife and a mom of a 14-year-old amazing daughter. I have been running an educational consulting business. We're going to be celebrating our 30th year in September which is like the shock of all shocks. If anybody had been told me I'd be doing this for a living, I would have fallen on the floor. Um, I was a teacher uh-huh. and um, this, I never intended to have a business. I never intended to work with grown-ups. It just sort of happened, which we can get into if you want to. Um, for sure. <laughs> yep. And so uh, that's my bread and butter. And that's how I met you through the business group that we've been a part of together. Mm-hmm. Um, I am passionate about uh, women connecting to their feminine energy and figuring out for themselves, what's the balance of feminine and masculine energy. Mm. So that's part of my, mm. it's sort of a side thing that I was going to develop and then the pandemic hit and we could talk about that too, but yeah. I facilitate a group of women around the the moon. We ritual around the full and the new moon every month. Um, so I'm into all that kind of, uh, stuff, whatever you want to call it. Some people call it, whoa, I just call it life. Um, I'm a sort of personal growth and transformation junkie. Uh I love all things that have to do with the ocean. Um, I'm a nature lover and I am right now in one of my favorite seasons of the year, which is award show season yeah I am <laughs> I completely obsessed that. I know I'm completely <laughs> obsessed with award shows so I have to watch every film and see every performance <laughs> and so it's one of my you know one of the things you were talking about is pleasure uh-huh. and that is definitely one of my pleasures I love great film theater music and so I love to immerse myself in uh in award show season as part of it <laughs> It's like everybody who knows me knows if like there's an award show on, if you if you're watching, you could text me and we could talk about like who's winning. But other than that, don't call me. Do not interrupt. Right. <laughs> First of all, so I had to mute myself because I'm trying to take
1: notes. I'm like Beth is giving me so much already. Um, you know, you have to
0: tell me to slow down if I talk too fast. You know, in my in one of my kindergarten classrooms that I taught many years ago, uh-huh. we we goal set. Every single kid in the class and every single adult in the class set a goal for themselves. Mm-hmm. And mine was to talk more slowly. and I didn't really hundred percent achieve it. And so <laughs> by any means, <laughs> so feel free to slow me down at any time. <laughs> no, it
1: wasn't you. It was just that there was a bunch of on my desk that <laughs> was blocking the keyboard. <laughs> um, so yeah, I wasn't prepared. So a few things that I did was able, I was able to write down. 30 years in business. Wow. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Feminine, masculine mm-hmm. energy. Love it. Mm-hmm. I I mm-hmm. I'm from the South, the Bible Belt, so I do call it woo-woo just because of how I grew up. But I'm definitely a hundred percent this point <laughs> in my life here for the woo. Wanna dig into that. And then award show season <laughs> as part of your, your pleasure ease abundance practice. Amazing. Let's start totally. with, with the the business. Cause you said something like, if you'd asked me when I started my career, if I'd be doing this. So how did, how did you come to your creative support services, businesses?
0: Well, I was a teacher. So, I mean, I, I, I really want to go all the way back Yeah, when I was 13 ahead. years old. Uh-huh. When I was 13 year old, I read a book called Sunrise, which was a true story about a dad that a dad wrote about learning to communicate and be present with his son who had been diagnosed with autism.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And I read this book, and I don't know why, but it just completely captivated me. And they happened to live near where I lived. So Mm. I was like, okay, I'm going to go work with them. I'm going to. And so by the time I did, you know, contacted them, they had moved um, and they opened an institute in the Berkshire Mountains in Massachusetts, I believe. Mm -hmm. But it really captivated me and had me learning about autism.
2: Hmm.
0: And I just was fascinated by it. And at that moment I decided I was going to be a social worker and I was going to work with kids with autism. I was all of 13 years old. (laughs) So fast forward, I went to um, social work school Hmm. and loved it. And it really made me a lot of who I am today in Hmm. terms of looking at the whole of a human and the whole of a community. You know, I think in our culture, we've become so specialized,
2: Uh you know, if you think Uh about
0: medicine, like you know, the, the cardiologist doesn't know what the pulmonologist is, you know, so Mm -hmm, this was mm -hmm. like a very holistic approach and I loved it. But what I learned in social work is that I was probably going to work more with the systems and the parents than the kids. Mm. So I had my first leap moment of my life, my junior year of college, which I had been telling everybody that I knew, my parents, my family, everybody that I was going to be a social worker. And now I'm in my junior year of college. I don't want to be a social worker. Mm. And it was a big deal for me because I had been so entrenched as this is who I am. And this is what mm-hmm, I'm going to be mm-hmm.
1: that identity. and I am
0: a, and, and I'm a big believer in the woo mm-hmm, TV. Mm-hmm. So I was talking to a professor of mine and he said, I have a friend professor who teaches at Syracuse university, which was about a little over an hour from where I was at Cornell. And he has a program, a master's degree in special education, around Mm. teaching kids with autism,
2: Mm. I can
0: introduce you to him. Mm. So, you know, again, for me, I always look at the threads of Mm -hmm. life and how a thread leads you to whomever Mm -hmm. or wherever. So I followed the thread and I met the man and I went to Syracuse university and got my master's degree in special education. Mm -hmm. And what was very unique about that program is that kids even labeled with the most significant disabilities were educated in general education classrooms with kids without disabilities. Wow. So I wasn't at an autistic school Mm -hmm. or a severely Mm -hmm. disabled school or all Mm -hmm. those other places. I was in this integrated school that had kids labeled gifted, kids labeled with severe and profound disabilities and everybody in between. Mm -hmm. And so inclusion Mm -hmm. was my thing and it totally matched the social work thing about looking at, at the whole and the all. And it was the most remarkable place. And I learned basically almost everything that I know Mm -hmm. in that environment. And um, my family kind of needed me to come home uh, Mm -hmm. at that time after a couple of years in Syracuse. And so I moved back here. And at that time, nobody was including anybody here on Mm -hmm. Long Island. So Mm -hmm. people thought I had 25 heads. Now people think I have like 10, but then it was like 25, you know, Right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and so... I taught one place for a year and I was a special education, self-contained teacher, which was nothing I ever wanted to do or really know how to do right. in all respect to people who do that. You right. know, it's a whole skill set that I didn't have, but I did find a teacher who was willing to integrate her typical class with my class and we mm-hmm. had a blast. But. Mm-hmm. The administration wasn't really all that supportive of it. So I left. I kind of got recruited to teach at a place that was trying to integrate. Actually, it was a preschool program, Mm -hmm. kids without disabilities and kids with autism. And -hmm. I went out there and I taught for a couple of years and I just wasn't thrilled. And so I thought I would spend a year doing a little bit of consulting.
1: What particularly was was not thrilling about it?
0: Um, Politics. Let's just say that. Okay. You know, politics within a system. And then yeah. I think the other thing for me is that at that time in my life, well, still, but even more then, cause now I know how to rest and take care of myself. Like mm. I literally lived that job 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mm, there wasn't mm-hmm. a parent who couldn't call me on the weekend. There wasn't a, th- you know, like I was like, yeah, and I got exhausted. I got totally yeah. exhausted. Um, and so mm. I decided to take a break
2: Mm-hmm
0: consult for a year Mm -hmm. and look for a school that was in alignment with my values
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and that turned into this Mm. it just was clearly my path because i had to do next to nothing to get this business going again i wasn't even planning to get this business going i thought i'd You know basically i i wanted to continue to live in my little apartment i didn't want to have to move back in with my parents or i get a roommate or anything like that i just wanted to be able to sustain myself until i found a job that felt like Mm -hmm. it was in alignment Mm -hmm. with my values because places were not in alignment with my values which are about inclusion about looking at each human being as gifted yeah about looking at a community as a place that only when we focus on the giftedness of every single member mm-hmm. are we all at our best. Mm-hmm. That we're mm-hmm. at a loss if we exclude or, you know, so it I wasn't finding any place that was in that mindset.
1: Hearing you talk about your journey is just making me think about like how I grew up. So I grew up in East Eastern North Carolina. I was included in the gifted classes, but it, it very much was a segmented and segregated class or classes. Mm-hmm. Um, you had the different levels, and I think a lot about. Actually, I, th- I think about this experience all the time. I was in Target one day. I feel like a lot of my stories start with I was in Target. Um, Absolutely, why not? <laughs> but I was in Target one day, and there was a mom in there uh, with her son, and I was I was shopping. And her son was um, expressing himself and um, upset about some things, and she was, you know, trying to get him to come along. And um, you know, I just kind of, you know, gave her a little nod and a smile as they're walking. We're walking through the same aisle, and there was a gentleman on the aisle as well. And um, when the mom and the child walked past, to me, I've seen autism show up and in a lot of different ways in my life. Um, my my younger brother, we suspected he had Asperger's. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, because I had had experience, not that much in my educational life as a student, but just friends, ecosystem, et cetera. So the, the mom passes by, she goes to the next aisle and the guy kind of looks at me and makes a comment about her controlling her kid, like basically saying like she needed to control her kid. And I'm getting like, I'm getting upset now. And I remember like, I kind of, and I, it was one of those situations where it kind of felt like he was going to try to hit on me and using that as an opening. (laughs) And and I just like looked at him and I was like, I'm pretty sure that uh, she, she has a special needs child. And like leave them alone, basically. Like, who, like, they're not like, he is not bothering me. I'm shopping, she's shopping. Like, they should be able to go out (laughs) into Target and have their own life experiences. But it, it, I realized too that um, proximity matters. And this gentleman, bless his heart, as we say in the South probably wasn't in proximity with a lot of students who express themselves in that way. And so he doesn't know what that looks like. He doesn't know how to be compassionate in some ways or how to just let people (laughs) live their lives and mind his own damn business (laughs) in other ways. Um, But it just makes me think how our educational system does us a disservice because I mean, you and I, we've, we've talked about race and, inclusion and all of that. And some of the the programs that we've been in together, proximity matters in all of the ways.
0: Exactly. And I, and I have to say Tivi as, you know, again, I don't know, maybe we're making baby steps with race or infinitesimal, you know, I don't even Mm -hmm. know what to say, but at least it's on the table. Right. People with disabilities are the still sanctioned Mm
1: -hmm. that
0: people believe that they're better off elsewhere.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: They're better off with other people with disabilities. It's still a very sanctioned- And it's only inclusion.
1: because we're uncomfortable. It's right. because we're we're not willing to like, like check right. ourselves and be compassionate and be kind. Like who cares if you're uncomfortable?
0: Exactly. And And people believe in the education world and not all people, I'm not making a blanket statement, mm-hmm. but there is definitely a belief in most people. Again, I've been working with people for 30 years, adults, mm-hmm. you know, teachers, mm-hmm. administrators, That there is something magic and special about segregated special education classrooms Mm, mm -hmm. that can't be provided in a general education classroom. And that, Mm. you know, something miraculous is going to happen over here. But what our data shows is that the long-term results of segregated special education is not very positive. It's Mm -hmm, not mm
2: -hmm. employment.
0: It's not higher education. It's not all those things that we strive for in education. And yet... We still hold this belief system that, you know, putting a bunch of adults in a day HAB program is better for them. Mm. You know, people do it out of the goodness of their heart. It's not mean. It's not, it's just, there is, you know, to me, one of the things I talk about all the time is that inclusion never has anything to do with the people that are being included or excluded. It's Mm -hmm. only about the people who are in power around them. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And so, you know, just for an example, I could support a school district and they could start to include more and more kids who have yeah. a wider range of issues. Right. And we could be having a lot of success in each kid reaching their own potential. You know, mm-hmm. we're not trying to make kids who are not academically gifted, all of a sudden academically gifted like you are. We're, we're trying to help an, each person to reach where they want to reach right. next, their right. next place. Mm-hmm having tons of success. If that person who was in charge and hired us uh-huh. to take the district in that direction leaves yeah, and a different person comes in with a different philosophy, mm-hmm. all of that gets dismantled.
2: Mm. Wow. So who
0: gets to be included has nothing to do with the person. I could take the same child and put them in a classroom with a couple of teachers who are like, because this happens for us all the time, myself and my team bring it on. We don't know what to do help us. We're excited. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. She learned to do that. Awesome. Great. Really, really excited. And then they go to the next class the next year Uh and the teachers are, this kid doesn't belong in my classroom. This kid is much better served, you know, if we sent them over there. And so it's the same exact kid, Mm. but it has to do with the people who are around them, which I think is similar for all of these ways that we other people.
1: Yes. Yes. And I mean, and, and also, like, thinking about the long-term ramifications on our ecosystem and mental health on, so one thing that comes to mind for me, there's a, a local group here in Durham, North Carolina, where I live, called Reality Ministries, and I started, um, I have volunteered with them at one point, and I've donated to them for a couple years now. Are you familiar with them?
0: No, what do they okay. do? Tell me more
1: so they I are, love the name of it so I'm like yeah. Ooh, what is that <laughs> yeah they they're basically their premise is they work to provide community and friendship for adults with special needs um, and when I first learned about them it was revolutionary for me cuz I hadn't thought about the ways in which the way the 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 ease with which I have developed friendships in my life and how that is truly a privilege and that mm-hmm. there are certain mm-hmm. groups, people who don't have that same ease. So when we yep. think about, like you're saying, the othering in schools where they, they, they segregate um, different populations. Think about once they graduate from high school, you know, where are their friend groups? Where's their community? Who do they fellowship mm-hmm. with? And so mm-hmm. Reality Ministries, they... Um, it was easier before the pandemic, but they would host like these cafes where we would get together and the, some of the, the people in their program would like prepare meals um, from these like custom recipes. And they would tell us about the recipes and we would sit with them and have conversations and talk about things that they like. And um, they'd also do concerts, but ha- having students in a class in middle school or high school or elementary school, it's not just that one thing, right? It right, exactly. it compounds throughout their life, and it, it really affects mm-hmm. our community and our ecosystem. And we're often we're blind to these things. Totally. I was blind to it until I was introduced to it. So this is one of the reasons why I was so excited to have you on the show to talk about <laughs> your you. work. Yeah, because I think a lot of people need to know about it.
0: Well, and and you know it's interesting because there's so many layers, uh, so Mm -hmm. many layers as there is to anything that we do, but in this, in in this particular instance, so I I don't think I even describe what we do. We provide professional development for school districts. That's what we do. Mm -hmm. So we help school districts. We work deeply with administrators on creating a mission and vision about Mm -hmm. inclusion Mm -hmm. and we work with them on implementation and we teach teachers how to work together to include kids. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of pieces and parts of it, but that's sort of the, the overview. And, um, you know, you'll have a lot of parents in a community saying, I don't want my kids in a class with those kids. Hmm. You know, we, there is so much misinformation and so much pressure on teachers and kids now Mm -hmm. to deal with all the standardized tests that we are now required that everybody has to pass and take. We've lost our, um, individualized looking at kids you know like mm-hmm. the the pressure to take tests pass tests mm-hmm. i mean here in new york some teacher evaluations although it's calmed down right now but teacher evaluations are connected to how well they do on tests standardized tests
2: wow. and so
0: yeah. you know you have a kid who's not going to do well on that standardized test who wants them in their classroom when mm-hmm. they might you know so there's the there's the community part there's the parent part there's the lack of knowledge on teacher's part of how to actually do this. How Mm -hmm, do we have mm -hmm. a child who functions three years before grade level in this sixth grade classroom? How Mm -hmm. do we do it? What's the technology? And Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of, there's the philosophical barriers. Yeah. That people just don't believe it's the right thing. And again, that doesn't make them bad people. It's just, Mm -hmm. people don't believe it's the right thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, again, people with disabilities, um, have not historically been a group with a lot of power in our culture. And so there are certainly groups of disabled people who want to be segregated,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: who want to be, you know, so there's so many pieces and parts of this. Yeah. Um, and for me, I want to honor that. And I want to create a community in which you're talking about the ecosystem where everybody is valued and everybody understands each other so that we Mm -hmm. can live, grow, work, play, have pleasure, grow together. Yeah. Um, even if we're not together together, but that it's not, I'm in target and I see this, you know, autistic kid having a meltdown and I'm going to go hit on some woman by saying, yeah, that woman needs to control her kid, but that's only going to come through some level of proximity, education and community.
1: Right.
0: So that's my bias.
1: (laughs) Well, (laughs) I'm not going to say it's a good bias to have,
0: but I think it's a good (laughs) bias to have um in our world and you're in my perspective in our the way we think about the world but not everybody does and that's okay we need to make a space for that too and yes you know i I have to say for me this time period of you know 2020 on Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. i was
0: so hopeful that the pandemic and Mm -hmm. george floyd and all of the things that have occurred Mm -hmm. were going to help us heal our polarity and what has seemed to have happened is it has exploded our polarity. And yeah. maybe that's why in order to heal it, it needs to be out as deep and big yeah, as it is. It needs to all be unearthed and uncovered
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: before we can move maybe. yeah. Um, but it's...
1: It, it, it actually makes me think about, so you mentioned like the divine... Divine feminine, divine masculine, yes. uh, full moon yeah. energy. So as you were talking, it it remind. I love the moon. First of all, like the name Luna is on my short list for children's names. Like I've always been obsessed with it. the moon. Um, but whenever there's a full moon, like I get this like frantic energy. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it just like yep. everything feels so overwhelming. Like I can't take it. I can't take it. I can't take it. And then all of a sudden, there's this like b- the bubble bursts. And yep. then, like, things kind of fall into place. And so maybe that's, like, maybe that's where we are, like, as a collective. Like, we, we totally. got to expand, 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 be frantic, go crazy, let humans human in all the ways. And then maybe it'll burst and things will start falling into place. I hope maybe. so. I don't
0: know. We'll see. I hope so. <laughs> we'll be watching, that's right, for sure. Right.
1: We'll definitely be watching. Um... Talk to me about how your experience in education and inclusion uh, influence, like how you parent, how you mm. teach your your daughter, um, family members, etc. Hmm.
0: Um. That's a great question. If you well, don't mind I think no, not at all. I I mean, I think in general, in terms of me, I think that this is who I always was. Like, mm-hmm. how does a 13-year-old become passionate about <laughs> autism?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, like, how does that even happen? So I, I feel like, you know, I was the kid who the kids who were struggling the most could come to to talk. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that there is just an inherent part of me that's about the beauty of all humans and the mm-hmm. gifts of all humans. And I think that that's just who I was. And this career or this tract just helped mm-hmm. me. Uh, land it somewhere,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, maybe it could have landed somewhere else, but it landed, you know, in this arena. Yeah. Um, and so I think for me, I have always wanted to be in communities of diversity of some kind. Mm-hmm. And there are ways that I've been really great at that and ways that I've sucked at it, you know, to be honest, but it's something I'm always thinking about looking for, etc. Mm-hmm. And I married a man of a similar ilk. You know, mm-hmm. um, and so, you know, he didn't know a lot about disability. He knew a little bit, but you know, so it's, um, just sort of like a foundational part of me and my family. Yeah. Um, uh, my daughter is not white. And so we have, we live in a very diverse community, mm-hmm. um, and, ha- are raising her in a community in which she is not the only or the other. Mm, mm-hmm. Also, and I have learned a tremendous amount of what it is to be a white mama parenting a non-white girl mm-hmm. um, and so I think my inclusion perspective mm. that I've carried all these years carries to her yeah. and of course you know then there's sort of the education piece of it which mm-hmm. I know too much as a mom
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's great but I know too much because you know, like in any moment I could call a teacher and say, Hey, you're missing ABCDE. And I have to really watch myself. And it's like, part of me wishes. I didn't know so much. It would just be easier to parent around school. Mm, Um, mm -hmm. if I didn't know, if I didn't know so much,
1: do you mean, because you, you want to be more involved, but you pull yourself back for your daughter's benefit or what's,
0: Well, I don't, you know, if it's something that she really needs, I'm in there advocating. There's like, I could give you a list of a million, you know what I mean? There's, there's no way, but like, how do I explain this? Like, there are things that I know about instruction. Mm -hmm. Like I can't at a teacher meeting, tell them how to teach. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: I can say my daughter's having, I have this concern about this or that, and we'd like to know how to support her at home and all that stuff, but I can't look at what they're doing and go, oh no, no,
1: no. (laughs) Grab your red Please. pen and like.
0: Right. I, I, yeah. I, right. So that's what I mean. Like I know so yeah. much about how, you know, she's been in classes that are similar to what I teach people how to do. And when she comes home and tells me how they're doing it, and I'm like, oh, but I'm not a consultant to them. I'm a mom.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: So I can advocate mm. for what she needs every minute of the day and or mm-hmm. any minute of the day. And I do.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: I can't get involved in things that I train other people in. With her teachers. With her
1: teachers. Okay. Okay.
0: That's fair. You know, you know, you can't be their professional developer when you're a mom in the classroom. Unless the district hired me to do that. But like, you can't, you know, step into that role unannounced and uninvited.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's such a hard, like, equity work is hard. That's, you know, what we do at Hey Awesome Girl. Um, And I did some of this work before we were the company that we are now. <laughs> I was talking to someone else on the podcast about it too. Like you can't just go into someone else's community and be like, you're doing this thing wrong. And here's why yeah. let me tell you exactly, um, because people won't receive it. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. It's it's like, this work is tough. Very, very, as you know, like you, you've been doing this work before it was a, I mean, of the past two years, it's been like trendy. But you've been doing right. this work for 30 years.
0: Well, and it's interesting. And I'm going to just be, you know, because we're just honest women, you and me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like I get slammed sometimes when I use that I say that I do inclusion because my work is not DEI. It's not about race in in of itself. I don't feel mm-hmm. qualified. I, I don't feel qualified in any way. Mm -hmm. to address those issues completely. It's not my background. It's not my training. Mm -hmm. Has it been infused somewhat in the work that we've done always? Of course, because Mm. the overrepresentation of kids of color in special ed is very well documented. Mm. And, you know, I've certainly, you know, just out of my own being, talked to teachers about, but I'm not trained to do a DEI training, but the inclusion word Uh now is about race. And Mm -hmm. almost like I've talked to some DEI, brilliant, amazing people to say, can you include disability in there? Because yeah. it, it yeah. it's it's almost like the DEI world in in some instances, not in all uh-huh. instances, has left disability in the Yep on the side again.
1: Yes. yes. And so
0: but when I say I'm an inclusion, my, my business is about inclusion, people right now in 2022 assume they that's assume DEI. That yeah. Yeah. And so um navigating this time and not being offensive and not mm-hmm. stepping on very, very, very important concepts that are happening in our world right now, Mm -hmm. you know, is really important to me. And how do we also continue to provide space for people with disabilities to be in the positions that they would like to be in? Yeah. And for kids to be in positions where they graduate from high school with friends and uh, options and get invited to birthday parties and aren't made fun of when they drop their tray in the cafeteria, you know, like whatever those
1: things are. Yeah, thank you for that distinction. Um I think it's easy for me. I'm a cis presenting like able body or I don't know the correct wording, so I apologize if I'm if I'm yeah, mis- if I'm not naming it correctly. Um That's yeah, all good. You know, I'm an an ally in a lot of ways for all the different communities and I too I have to check my privilege and have to check like how I show up in this space every day it's easy to forget like I exist as this person, but not everybody has the same experience as me.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I know. And I check myself every day. And again, you know, on some level, you know, when you were saying, I apologize if I'm not using the right words, I feel like our, all of our concern about using the right words, the right pronouns, the right titles, the right Mm -hmm. descriptors, is like almost getting in of our way mm, of being mm-hmm. real and raw and screwing mm-hmm. up.
1: Mm-hmm. Cause that's how we learn. Like we learn right. by
0: screwing up. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, and not so, too badly, know, sh- but. <laughs> right, right. No, but I'm sure that I, I make microaggressions at times because I'm ignorant about a certain thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. we had an experience not that long ago, was it last spring? Um, we teach this grouping strategy that's really, really fun to teachers mm. and we showed an example. The teachers called it the picnic and we show pictures mm. of it and all that jazz. I had no idea. And we've been presenting this for five years. Yeah. And a person, we were doing it on Zoom, wrote to me in the Zoom and said, do you know, if you knew the history the of that word picnic, you would never use it. Yeah. And I like what I, I was so upset because honestly, in my white sis, whatever the heck you want to call me, privileged place, I did mm-hmm. not know that word right. was yeah. a trigger. I had no idea now I know we don't use it anymore. Right. But there are so many things that people don't know about people with disabilities. As a matter of fact, a lot of, there are many groups of people now who want to be called disabled people. Uh, you know, we, mm-hmm. we worked for so many years on person first language mm-hmm. and now that's flipping, but mm. who wants it flipped? Who doesn't want it flipped? We're right. going to screw up in our languaging. We are going right. to, cause there's right. so much emphasis right now on languaging that on some level, I feel like at times it gets in our way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I can say that for sure, and I—I I mean, I also think that I was thinking about this this morning. I was listening to a podcast about white white allyship, um, yeah. with Mo Carrick, I think is her name. Um, she was referred to me by Susan Hyatt, and they were talking about their journey as uh, it was Mo Carrick and someone else, another white woman who was talking about being a white ally, white female ally. And their journey of allyship and feminism and how feminism really does a disservice if it's not intersectional and just all of, of those things. And it just made me think that in our society nowadays, we really have to give people grace and space to grow and not like yes. hear people make one mistake out of ignorance and like hold them to that mistake for the rest of their their lives. I, I think that there are, as I like to say, there are files and there are flagrant files. I
0: yes. think
1: some behaviors are super duper problematic mm-hmm. and intentional <laughs> and explicit. And I think some things are just mistakes out of ignorance. Right. And right. I think sometimes I, I actually have a practice when I when I don't know something. I have a practice of saying I'm ignorant about this thing because I want to take the stigma away of that, with that word. Cause it just means you, you don't know, like right. you're I not love exposed that. to it. Like it's that. not, it's not saying you're dumb. It's just saying you're not aware. And if you're a human doing life on earth, like you're not going to know everything. Exactly. You're going to be ignorant about some things. Totally. But you can learn about it.
0: You can learn about it. And, and if you do learn about it, that's all you can do. Like that's the whole thing. Like I think about all the time and I talk with my daughter about this a lot. Um, and anybody that I know, honestly, is the word retard people throw that word around all the time yeah you're a retard oh I'm retarded if they made a mistake mm. and that word is so loaded and so so um, derogatory yeah and people don't realize. you know I know some very kind loving lovely people who toss that word around all the time
2: yeah.
0: and I have to say to them do you know what that word connotates do you know the connotation of that word do you know where that word originated mm-hmm. like and so it's like to me, that's often ignorance. It's Mm -hmm. not meanness Mm -hmm. necessarily. It's just like, that's the word that people say. And that's okay. If you can correct yourself. Um, but, and again, not to get caught up on languaging, Mm -hmm. but the way people toss that word around
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: has so much to say about people with, um, cognitive differences.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: People who don't function exactly the same way as them.
1: Yeah, and I'll be honest. I thought we stopped using that word like ten years ago. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't.
0: People still toss it around all the time. The kids toss it around. Yeah, I mean my daughter's fourteen. The kids say it.
1: Yeah, I I have heard some some younger folks use that. Um.
0: Yep, and I've heard adults use it last year. Yikes. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Let's let's talk
1: (laughs) about. I really want to go back to what you were saying about. Um maybe I heard it this way, the over-indexing of children of color in special needs classes. Talk to mm-hmm. me about some of that data and what you think mm-hmm. that's based on.
0: So I have to be perfectly honest. I don't have the current data okay. in my head okay. to, to say. Uh-huh. But many school districts, many states have been, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Targeted, is, you know have been identified as, you know, the, the their, people with disabilities take up about approximately not take up. That's terrible. There about 10% of the population Mm -hmm. are people labeled with disabilities.
1: Okay. Wow.
0: So, um, we have places that have kids that, that have way more than 10% in their school system. Mm -hmm. So that's just a red flag already. Mm -hmm. Like why are all of these kids getting labeled and identified? Yeah. And then out of that 10%, often the percentage of kids of color, are over the percentage of kids of color in that neighborhood.
1: Wow. Okay. Did that come out in English? Mm-hmm. Yep, I got it. Did that make sense? Yep.
0: Okay. So we see, you know, black boys who can't sit still, hmm. you know, our um, kids who might end up, and then cultural things. I'll never, ever, ever forget this. This is just an example from many years ago. When I was at Cornell University, I took a course on race. Mm-hmm um, from this amazing man. Mm -hmm. And we read this amazing book and it totally changed my life really. Um, because where I grew up, there were no black people. Mm -hmm. You know, when I grew up, I'm considerably older than you. I'm about to be 58 next month. And so in my little suburban town, there were no people of color. Mm -hmm. We had a couple of people who were from Asian backgrounds and that was it. Mm -hmm. But yet my parents were sort of very liberal Democrat people. Like we didn't have a lot of prejudice in our house. I just didn't have any proximity.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, so anyway, I took this class and it was amazing. And one of the things he told us was about the inherent bias in um, IQ testing. Mm-hmm. An example that he gave from back then. Again, so we're talking 30 something years ago. On one of the tests, one of the questions was take these four letters, unscrabble them into a word that will give you a sport. Mm-hmm. And the, we- the letters are two O's, a P and an L.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: The right answer is polo. For the kids who wrote pool, it's the wrong answer. Wow. So there's classism, there's racism, there's privilege. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff built into the system. Yeah. Now I'm sure that question doesn't exist anymore, but that's just an example that I learned back in 1980, whatever, three, four, whenever I took that class, um, of how the system, the education system is set up as a white, privilege system yeah. and we haven't made a lot of accommodations. Mm. And so it's very easy for kids of color to end up be being labeled at a higher rate. Hmm. Um, because the system is inherently privilege
1: focused. Yeah. Wow. I like, I'm still stuck on that question. Um, <laughs> it, it illustrates your point very, very well. Have IQ tests changed much since then? Like how, like how, like how do s- schools nowadays determine if someone is, is special needs or, or needs extra support or.
0: Yeah. To qualify for special education. And again, it's different state by state. So it's not like, um, there's one measure that is used across the country, uh-huh. but, um, there are a, a series of handicapping conditions they're called that you have to fit into. In order to receive special education services. Okay. And that can be determined some by, um, a combination of achievement and IQ testing Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: that's done. So if a child is referred for special education, they are going to receive a battery of tests. And some of those are about achievement and some of them are about IQ. And so each handicapping condition has different qualifications that, um, are needed in order to be labeled as a person with a learning disability mm-hmm. or with an intellectual disability or with autism. Like each of them have different qualifiers. Some mm-hmm. of them are medical. Some of them you, you need a diagnosis,
2: yeah.
0: um, for, um, and some of them is strictly based on that testing. Mm-hmm. But any child with a dis- that ends up being labeled with an educational disability will have gone through some sort of testing, and, ha- and I'm sure. Again, I'm not an expert on standardized testing, okay. on IQ testing by any means, mm-hmm. but yes, I'm sure that they have changed, and there are more of them than there used to be.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, um, but I can't imagine that they're a hundred percent bias free yet. Right. I'm sure they've improved tremendously, but I cannot imagine that.
1: And so, and so when. Um... Like who initiates that process of those tests? Is that something that a parent has to initiate or a teacher or is it is it both one or the other?
0: So anybody can initiate it. The parents can initiate it. The school can initiate it. Teacher can initiate it. Um, In order to go ahead with the process, Mm -hmm. the parents have to agree to it.
1: I see. Okay. So like
0: a, a school can't evaluate a kid. I mean, they have the evaluations that they do for all kids mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they bring those to the table and they say, you know, Beth is in my class and she's reading so significantly differently than everybody else. Mm-hmm. And she's really struggling with this. And I think we need to do something about it. So yeah. then there's a level of service that doesn't require special ed. hmm. That's general education, that's required, it's called RTI, response to intervention. Okay. And that's a series of three tiers of um, strategies that are applied in the classroom, outside of the classroom mm-hmm. to support that child. Mm-hmm. And if those strategies aren't successful, then they can refer to special education. So if a teacher refers a child to special education, the parents have to agree to the evaluation and the process. Okay.
1: So these, these other strategies, um, cause, cause we work in, in health equity work and a lot of our work right now is around COVID mitigation. Um, we're working on a couple of other potential projects around sexual health and, um, maternal and infant health and equity. And it just, it, I, I'm wondering about how all of the other dynamics that children experience impact, like how they their results on these tests like how they show up in classrooms like if they're if they're not getting adequate sleep or food or Mm -hmm. if their nervous Mm -hmm. systems are in in high alert like is is that some of the work and thinking that you all do as well like thinking about the whole like the totality of the child's experience and how
0: that helps them show Mm -hmm. up in school Sure. And again, I just want to be clear that I'm not in any way involved in the evaluation or labeling process of kids. That's mm-hmm. not what I do. Mm-hmm. But we certainly, when a, when a team that we're working with presents a child to us that they need support around,
2: mm-hmm.
0: we certainly go, all right, what's happening in this human's life? Yeah. Who are they? What's happening? Et cetera, et cetera. And definitely if you have a good school and a good team, mm-hmm. they're going to be looking at all of those things. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that they'll necessarily not go down the road of labeling them.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. And
0: sometimes labeling them is a great thing because it gets them additional supports that they might need. Mm-hmm. But it also like for right now, just what's happening at least around in my neck of the woods yeah. is the number of kids being um, referred for special education in the pandemic is off the charts because they fell behind.
2: Mm-hmm. It's like,
0: it's a pandemic.
2: Mm-hmm. Everybody mm-hmm. fell
0: behind. Mm-hmm. Can we let go of where we're all supposed to be right, and be where we are? and move mm-hmm. to the next place. So mm-hmm. all of the mental health, food scarcity, you know, like all the issues that families are dealing with right now, illness, death, food issues, job issues, just yeah. the pandemic in and of itself, right. having to be in our house. Like, yeah. How can that not be impacting kids in all ways mm-hmm. as learners, as humans, but the increase in referral is off the charts. Mm-hmm. Mm. So yes, people look at that and yes, people don't look at that.
1: Mm. Oof. Um, I can talk about this. All, I don't even have kids, but I've always been the type that's like, "How can I be? Like, how can I prepare?" Um, also had a have a lot of compassion. You can't
0: prepare. I have to just say <laughs> you. You know, I thought I was really prepared to be a mom. You know, I've been in the field forever, uh-huh. and I, you know, I, you're not, you know, people can tell you what it is, yeah. and until you do it, it's it's a thing unto itself.
1: I I mean I think at this point that's kind of how it is. It's. <laughs> Yeah. I, I just, it's because I've been trying for 10 years now, 20 years, not 20 years, 10, 15 years. Um, how can folks be better allies for folks with disabilities?
0: Um, well, I think meet some. <laughs> Put yourself in situations in which your kids interact mm-hmm. with other kids with disabilities. Mm-hmm. Be open to the possibility of your child being friends with a kid with a disability. Mm-hmm. When you see the mom in Target or the mom on the playground, smile and ask, you know, you okay? Yeah. You know, make space Mm. in your heart, in your being, for that there are people who um, function in the world really differently. Yeah. And that that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, the whole notion of neurodiversity, instead of talking about like, oh, this is bad or... That person should control their kid to be open to, well, this person functions, their brain functions in a really different way than mine. Yeah. And that's just part of the human dynamic. That's part of humanity. It always has been.
2: Yeah. So
0: can you learn a little bit? Can mm-hmm. you put yourself in positions where you might interact with people with disabilities and you know, read, listen, listen to a podcast, read somebody's Facebook, you know, yeah. go on a Facebook page, just open your horizon. And again, and, and I may be totally misspeaking, and please call me out, Tivy, if this is completely white privilege obnoxiousness, but like to me, it's the same thing as people who have no experience with people who are not the same mm-hmm. skin color as them. Proximity matters. How can you be an ally? Yeah. How can you be an ally? Yeah. Get involved. Yeah. Meet. Get to know. Listen.
1: Yeah.
0: Put yourself in situations where you're the only mm-hmm. for a change.
1: hmm yeah, and also work to do some of that learning yourself. Don't, um, exactly. As as a black woman, I'm tired of people coming to me asking me about race. right there. I'll, Google it, absolutely. there are plenty of great I'll, books out there. Um, so yeah, absolutely, I, like you're saying, proximity matters, but also you can pick up a book, you can take a master
0: class. Well, and, and I have to say, Tiffy, you know, I, I, you and I would pick up a book. Not everybody wants to pick up a book, but you can join mm-hmm. a Facebook page.
1: True. Yes. You could join
0: a Facebook page where moms of kids with disabilities are talking about their experience mm-hmm. and you can, you know, I am on some Facebook pages of people who are talking about race issues and I just am quiet Yeah. and listen and read and learn. Mm-hmm. It's not my, it's not my place yeah. to say it's my place to listen. And it's the same sort of thing. Yeah. Like if, you know, if you join any of the neurodiversity groups or the autistic groups right now mm-hmm. who are really advocating for. Mm. The acceptance of neurodiversity as opposed to trying to make autistic people different than they are. Mm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: You know, if you watch TV show. there's a bunch of TV shows on now that are with autistic act- actors playing autistic people. Mm. Watch, you know? Yeah. So there are ways that you can be an ally that are very similar to other ways that we're asking for allyship in this world.
1: Yeah, for sure. To
0: me, now again, if, if that feels really off to you, please just call me out. I'm happy to be called out.
1: Um, I mean, I think these are first steps, right? Like, I'm um, right to me, and how I like to operate. I got into the work that I do because I knew that representation mattered. Um, and a lot of times in our, our individual world, representation comes from proximity. Like, we have to see right. people, we have to experience people. And so, I think that's a very solid first step. It can't be the only step. Like, there, there have to be, like, active actions that we yes, do. Yes, of course. Um, but starting with listening and starting with proximity, I think it's a great first step. In.
0: Yeah, I think, because for me, I think a lot of people take action, but it's not grounded in anything. So then it's Correct. not effective or helpful because it's not grounded in Correct. what you need to know or what you need to have observed mm-hmm. to take that action. Mm-hmm. So sometimes action, for action's sake, ends up not being helpful, even though it's intended mm-hmm. to be. So mm-hmm.
1: That's true. Where can, uh, where can folks find you online to learn more about you and your work?
0: Well, my website is www.lakretz.com. And my last name is spelled L-A-K-R-E-T-Z. And we have a Facebook page. And I think we just opened up an Instagram and a TikTok. But my team is taking care of that. I am not tech-involved much. So those are coming soon to a screen near you.
1: Awesome. Well, I can talk about this all day.
0: I'm just bummed we never talked about the feminine and masculine energy stuff, but this was amazing. We got to have a part two just to talk about that. Okay. (laughs) I would love that.
1: I would love that. I would love that too. Thank you so much for joining me today, Beth. Um, And I will add all your information into the description box and I will see you next
0: time. Thank you. Have a beautiful day.
1: Thank you so much for watching this episode. I hope you found some nuggets of wisdom in it from Beth or myself. I know I did, and Miss Olivia is coming in here to join me as we wrap this up. A couple of things that stood out to me in this episode. One, Beth mentioning how she started a new path for herself in college and got out of that old identity in order to get on her correct path. We talked about true inclusion in schools. We talked about the ecosystem impact of exclusion and the modern day segregation of folks with disabilities. And I think what's most important is we talked about how to be an ally and where to start if you're interested in becoming an ally. Once again, I'm Tibby Jones, founder and CEO of Hey Awesome Girl, recording from my home office with Olivia sitting under my chair now. As a reminder, Hey Awesome Girls' social mission is to celebrate and empower women, especially women of color. We believe digital entrepreneurship is a resource to increase confidence, to close racial gender wealth gaps, and provide a means of freedom for women all over the world. Because as we like to say, empowered women empower women. And that is exactly what we're trying to do with this show. Stay tuned for our next episode. Uh, I can't share who it's going to be, but please follow us. Uh, like and subscribe on all the channels so you can get notified when our next episode comes out. You can also visit our website, heyawesomegirl.com show. Join our email list, get some extra goodies from us, and you can also check out our Hag Swag Shop. Until next time, don't forget to stay awesome. So it's me again just jumping back on to share a special resource with you so i know i talk a lot about our pleasure ease and abundance framework that we use at hey awesome girl but maybe you aren't quite sure what that means and how you can incorporate that into your life well we have a free resource for you that can help with that it's our pleasure ease and abundance playbook in this playbook, I outline the nine elements of pleasure, ease, and abundance you need to consider to help you create a life that is fun, fabulous, and free. I walk you through journal prompts, I share resources, and give you some actionable steps you can take to get you further away from stress, exhaustion, and being broke. To download this free playbook, go to heyawesomegirl.com framework, enter your email address, and we'll send it right over to you. That's heyawesomegirl.com slash framework to download your free playbook today. Olivia, the nerve of you to come in here and pass gas. Rude. Jeez.